you'd turn your attention now to the Word, because that's why we've come, amen? We've come to study God's Word, to worship Him, to exalt Him. Now, we're going to finish chapter 3 here uh, in the book of Colossians. And and I want to remind you of the importance, and it's so visible in this particular chapter, as to why we always must take Scripture in context. And so when you look at chapter 3, and again, Chapter 3, as we know it in the original language, was a portion of a single letter. But what's contained in here as we look at it, as we began chapter 3, we focused on the heavenly. In other words, we got our eyes on the Lord. And we, we took a look at heavenly things. That's in verses 1 through 4. And then from there, we were admonished, reminded, we need to take the trash out of our lives. We've got to put off the old man. We need to crucify the flesh, right? That's part of it. So we're focusing on heaven, and then we get rid of the junk in our lives. And then the next step is we get red carpet ready, right? We, we take and put on the new man. Verses 12 through 17 reminded us that we have that beautiful privilege of now gracing ourselves with the garments of grace. We put on the new man so we start to look like, act like, talk like, walk like Jesus. And then we come to these sections that are applicational of those things. So we're heavenly minded, we're making sure we put out the trash, we're making sure we put on the new man, and then the first place it gets tested is in our marriages, amen? And so from there, for most of us, realizing there are some single people here, but, but in a larger picture, marriage, and then what comes from marriage, but children, now guess where we go? You see, we move to the next place where all of this is going to get tested. Because if you look at how much time you spend in your marriage relationship, and then add in your children, and then throw in the workplace, you have just accounted for pretty much every waking hour of every day. Amen? So it makes perfect sense that the Holy Spirit, authoring Scripture, being written through the Apostle Paul to us today to remind us, okay, we need to get our eyes on heaven, get rid of the garbage, put on the new man, practice it in our marriage, take care of our kids and our own family, and then when we go to work, make sure you don't leave it at home, take it to work with you. Amen? So we're going to finish chapter 3 today. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for the beauty of your word and how we are instructed by it. And we pray now as we turn our attention uh, to the wonderful word of God, that you would grace us with your presence in this place, that we'd hear your voice. Lord, that you would overlook my weaknesses in communication and speak directly to your people. Lord, just offer myself as an instrument to do that. And so, God, would you bless us as we study your word. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Verse 22, and we'll pick up and now finish the remainder here of chapter 3 in Colossians. And it says, bond servant. And let me hover for just a moment over that word, and I'll do some further explanation. I hate these words. I don't like the word slave. I don't like the word servant. I don't like bond servant. I don't like anything that reminds us uh, of that period of time, especially here in this nation, of something so painful, awful, and evil as slavery. But the words are used here, and so please, if you would be so kind, 
Give me an opportunity to put that into context for you as we push forward this morning. It's hard to talk about a word like this, and I don't like doing it, but it's used in Scripture for a reason, and so we'll highlight why that is necessary in a moment. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters. I don't like that word either. Your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, for there is no partiality. And so the Lord speaking to us this morning, we need to push this forward into our modern context, but let me help uh, possibly some of you understand. The Greek word that's used here for bond slave is the Greek word douloi. And douloi was a slave that was sometimes voluntarily had placed themselves under the mastery of another person. And the reason that this is important for us in our modern context, uh, you very often actually do roughly the same process when you take a job. What happens when you take a job is because most of you weren't born with buckets of money, amen? Uh, Most of us don't have, you know, like piles of cash laying around in the garage, if you do bring some, share. Uh, But most of us don't have that. So what we normally do to take care of our family is we employ ourselves usually with someone else. That person becomes what we call our employer or our boss. And in that sense, they are our master. And we have offered to do that for a fee. That fee is the paycheck. In the time that these words were written, remember this is the Roman world and the Roman Empire, and let me make it very clear, all slavery of any kind at any period of time ever in human history from then to now is an abomination to God. It's evil. And so please don't think that the Apostle Paul, Scripture, approves of slavery in any way, shape, or form. It does not. It never did and still doesn't. But it does talk about being a bond servant. That's probably the best word to use here. And so what is going on in the Roman world, because they didn't have the social safety nets, they didn't have programs to take care of people if anything happened, people would voluntarily enter into the service of someone else. It was, in some cases, voluntary. In other cases, it was just assumed because you had nothing. And so those people would then be taken care of in return for their work, albeit terribly at times, albeit abusively at times, and not explaining away any of that abuse that was wrong then, it's wrong now. But people took care of their family that way. Now you may feel today that the person that you work for is treating you much the same way. There are people that would say that about the job that they have. And so for us in context, the easiest way to look at this is our work relationships. 
then it was very normal to use this word. I'm going to try and just simply use the term bond servant. So it would be like a household servant. Someone who works in a home. We would call them butlers, possibly maids. But during that day and time, they also had other duties. They were very often teachers for the children. They took care of household affairs. They ran errands. They would go to the grocery store and buy things and bring them back. There were many things that a bond servant did. But the net result was their families got to eat and had a roof over their head. So let's look at it in that context today. And I want to apologize. I mean to offend no one. So please, if you would do me the honor of just simply recognizing this is a difficult subject using these words, especially the word servant and master together. I don't wish to offend. These workers, if you looked at it, were were put kind of on notice by the Lord. And they immediately, as it was the case, remember, Christ is the head of every marriage, Christ is the head of every family, and Christ should be the head of every workplace environment. Everything that you do everywhere should have, as a believer, remember, preeminent above every relationship is the horizontal relationship taken care of by the vertical. We're supposed to care about the spiritual things first, and then everything else takes care of itself. If you get that out of order, if you put Jesus someplace underneath head, then the whole system gets messed up for a believer. Christ is the head of everything. He's the head of your marriage, the head of your home, and the head of your job. And so the principle is very easy to see. It's very clear. And so it says, bond servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. It simply says those who have some authority over you. Those who you work for, those whom you're under their authority, and in this case, in the workplace. And notice what it says, not with eye service. In other words, not just when they're looking. Not just when your, your boss is standing by and going, well, you know, what are you doing now? And it tells us why. Look at the reasoning for it. He says, but with sincerity of heart, fearing God. Why is that important? Because in spite of the fact that your boss may not be watching, your employer may not be there, you may even work from home. We have a lot of that today. We telecommute to work, amen? A lot of people, hey, it's crazy how many jobs now are done on the internet. You know, you do your work and you hit go. It's off. It's done. But you know what? Your boss is not there in the room with you. If you want to look at it in the sense of the earthly, But in the heavenly sense, is not God right there with you every moment of every day? And so no matter what you might actually be thinking in the temporal, in the eternal, God is watching. And God does see, and he is looking at the motivation of not just the work that you get done, but the heart with which you do it. And so God is watching us. God does see these things. And so he says, please look at these things from that perspective. So in the workplace, with watching eyes, Paul uses this word, submitting really just simply to an authority structure. Because without it, just like you would have in your marriage, somebody's got to have the final word. It should be the person who's closest talked to the Lord. So 
There has to be a final word there. In the home, that if the children are running the home, you're talking about chaos. You're also talking about having candy for dinner. So there's structure there. And in the workplace, somebody takes that final authority. Somebody has that role. But here's the good news, and this is where I really want to go with this. When you think about it from this perspective, at the end of every day, you actually don't work for your boss. You work for the Lord. Wherever you are, amen, wherever you are and whatever you do, God actually owns everything. Scripture is quite clear that he owns the sheep, the cattle on a thousand hills, the gold and silver in every mine, and the earth and the fullness of it is the Lord's. So whether you work for Toyota or Rockwell or you work for CVS or you work for Western Waste Management or you work for yourself, whoever you work for in a temporal sense, they are actually underneath God. You actually work for the Lord. Every one of us does. Now, believers should authorize that authority to have its supreme place because we know God. For the unbeliever, whether they don't know it or not, they actually also work for God. They just don't know it. And so at the end of the day, when you get your paycheck at the end of a work week, it may say Toyota Motor Corporation on there, but it actually came from Jehovah Jireh. It came from him. And if he's not taking care of you, you're in trouble. So we work for the Lord wherever we are. And this is so important as a distinction Because the Apostle Paul tells us this is how you square away your work relationships. If you think that it is Toyota, and I'll just use that example, that you work for, then you're going to try and please Toyota. But if you work for God, then everything you do should please Him. You're going to please Toyota. You're not going to have a problem because you're going to try and be like Jesus in what you do. Jesus was such a great employee of us Because he came, Matthew's gospel records, Mark's gospel records, in chapter 10, he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He served you at the cross, amen? Do you see it? You see, if you get that right, if you go vertical with the relationship, and Jesus is first, then you're going to be an absolutely fantastic employee for whoever your earthly master is because you're going to want to please God. And you're going to be loving and you're going to be kind. You're going to be productive and you're not going to care whether the boss is there because the boss, the real boss, is always on duty. Amen? So you're not going to be ripping your boss off and trying to figure out how to work the system. You're going to realize that I answer to God ultimately. How do we model Jesus in the workplace really becomes the, the, the thing that we concentrate on. And so it says, bond servants, obey your master in, in all things according to the flesh, not with eye service, as men pleasers. We don't want to be just simply pleasing mankind, but with sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not to men. It's a very simple process that's in view here. Knowing that from the Lord, you actually will receive the reward that is your final inheritance. 
Look, let me tell you a little bit about investing right now. If you're investing in this earth, bad investment. It may pay some earthly dividends, and I'm not saying you shouldn't have investment accounts and life insurance, all that kind of stuff. That is not what I said. But if your hope is in that, then at some point in time, you're going to be sorely, sorely disappointed. But if your investment is in heavenly things, and you put your time, your talent, and your treasure into heavenly things, then that is going to pay an eternal dividend, not just a temporal one. And so the focus, again, is on the heavenly, exactly what verses 1 through 4 said. It's getting your eyes off your boss and off your job and off the workplace and on to heaven, getting vertically correct. It's an amazing picture. There's a question that comes to mind here. So, so why didn't Paul speak out against slavery? And it's actually quite simple. He was a pastor, not a politician. He, he wasn't looking to bring about social change. God's way of doing things is that when you change the heart of a man, you'll change the actions of a man. And so if you get to the heart, you'll eventually get to the hands. If you get to the heart, you get to the head and the hands. But you need to change the heart of man in order to get a different result because if they're still trying to serve the world and serve the flesh, they're consequently serving the devil, you're not ever going to get to the place that you're trying to go. We want to serve the Lord. So he says, look, we have to look at this from heaven's perspective. So Paul wasn't actually interested in starting a revolutionary coup against Rome. But here's the good news. He actually started a revolutionary coup against Rome by taking care of the hearts of man. That's what would eventually happen. If you haven't noticed, Rome died out. Christians are still here. People who believe that Jesus Christ is Lord are still around, but the Roman Empire is long gone. Why did that actually happen? Because the hearts of man were being changed and transformed, and people who used to be slave and master were all of a sudden equal in Jesus. And so the Christian master and the Christian slave are going, hey, we're both brothers in the Lord. I need to take this relationship seriously because my Father in heaven is watching me. So whether you were the master or whether you were the bondservant, you both were going to one day stand before a holy God and give an account for everything that you have ever done. And so people are going, I want to please God. I'm not going to abuse this person who's in my employ. I want to please God. I'm not going to rip off this man who's taking care of my family. It leveled the playing field. You see, the Apostle Paul actually had it right. God had it right all along. And so why didn't he speak out? Look, at the end of the day, when you think about it, that day and time, perhaps as much as 60% of the entire Roman world lived in some form of servitude. They may have been bond slaves. They may have actually been prisoners of war, converted into slaves against their will. It was a bad situation. But Rome was very famous for taking dissent extremely seriously. So had Paul simply been a political person and began to talk about an insurrection, millions of people likely would have been killed as a result. They would have lost their lives. 
And they would have held Paul accountable. So Paul does exactly what Jesus would do. He says, let's change the heart first, and then the head and the hands will come along for the ride. And so it's quite simple. He was being a pastor. He was saying, look, this is what God wants us to do. In the church, the very freedoms that were being denied to those who were actually Roman citizens who should have had freedom, those people that were being taken advantage of, they were actually being set free in Christ and they were being made equal. Now, it was imperfect because you have people in the mix. And any time we leave ourselves in the mix, we leave a problem in the mix. Amen? Because the heart of man is deceitful. It's desperately wicked. Who can know it? Scripture's correct. People are imperfect implementers of God's things. Amen? Maybe you're not. I am. I'm an imperfect implementer. So when I go to implement the things that God tells me, I very often don't do it exactly the way he wants me to do it. And so I'm the problem. We need to look at ourselves as part of the the problem as well because we don't see things perfectly as the Lord sees them. But we're supposed to be trying to see things perfectly and doing things perfectly. You see, that equality that they were looking for actually comes from serving. Your first place that you need to turn to is to the Lord. Justice in the workplace. That's a Christian responsibility, folks. There ought to be equality in the workplace. As far as we are concerned as the body of Christ, no one should be passed over for a promotion for any reason save they're less qualified than the other person. Not because of skin color, not because of some disadvantage some other way. It should be that as far as we are concerned, we should be in an environment that honors the value of absolutely every single person. That's what God intends. So the mess that we have in our nation, God didn't create that. He provided the solution, and he provided the solution by be, me being like Jesus and you being like Jesus. And when we get together, we're supposed to both be like Jesus, so we treat each other like Jesus. That's God's plan. Why can I say that to you that strongly? Because Jesus actually said it. He went so far as to say, do good to those who spitefully use you and persecute you. To quote Dr. Martin Luther King, he said it this way. He said, darkness will never drive out darkness. Hate will not drive out hate. Only love can do that. That's what he said. I believe that. That's what the Bible says, by the way. It's exactly what Scripture says. Matter of fact, we're supposed to run from darkness. We're to have nothing to do with the unfruitful works of darkness. We're children of the light, so here's how it works. The light bulb goes on in your life and in my life. We go into the workplace where it's probably a little bit dark at times because people don't actually do what they're supposed to do some of the times, and we turn the light on. And to quote the late, great Harry Ironside, he said, whenever you turn on the light, you're going to see bugs. Right? You know, you go in there and you're starting to act like a Christian and be like a Christian and live like a Christian in an environment where there's kind of some not good things going on, you're going to make some bugs kind of scurry a little bit. You have to be prepared for that, but you've been called to be children of the light. 
And if you do that in the workplace, you begin to affect change in a positive way. Exactly what Dr. King said. Darkness, if, you, if it's already dark wherever it is, and you come and you have no light, guess what's going to happen? It's still going to be dark. And if you add some more darkness, it's still going to be dark. And if you take a hateful situation and you add more hate to it, guess what's going to happen? It's going to be more hateful. But if you come into that situation, there's hate that exists, and you interject love into that situation, guess what happens? You push at least some of the hate out. Because you're the love that's in. You're the light that's in. We do that in the workplace. That transforms our workplaces. Now, you may not be liked for doing that. You may be persecuted for doing that. But it absolutely is what God would have us be because He wants us to be the very best that we possibly can be. Bond slaves, bond servants, household workers... Household workers had all kinds of tasks. They did all kinds of things. And notice what it says in verse 23. And whatever you do, does it say if you have a management position? Does it say if you have a college degree? Does it say if you're in technology? Does it say if you're a doctor? It does not. Whatever you do, doctor, plumber, whatever, it's being very, very, very specific in its generality. Why do I say that? Because everything means everything. All places is all places. Because your paycheck doesn't come from the corporation you work for. It doesn't come from your investments. It comes from God. Every one of you in here, now you undoubtedly, we have a corporation here called Calvary Chapel South Bay Inc. We also have a provider organization that helps us with all of our benefits and so we get paychecks and it says on there in Sparity PEO Calvary Chapel South Bay Incorporated but at the end of the day it comes from God if God doesn't show up the lights go off the building crumbles nobody gets paychecks God is your provider and he's a provider no matter where you get your paycheck from in an earthly sense Amen? This is just a simple attitudinal shift for us. It's really not that hard. And if you'll do it, you receive the benefit of actually getting the vertical relationship correct. And when you get the vertical relationship correct, then all of the rest of the relationships, because everything's under God's umbrella, amen? People may think that they don't answer to God, but they do actually answer to God. And if you're a believer and you're here today, you know that's the case. Even unbelievers one day are going to stand before God and they're going to bow to the name of Jesus. Amen? So in that sense, God's telling us, look, can you trust me, please? I actually do have your best interest in mind. And I haven't missed a thing. So you be excellent, because I want you to show those people that you work with Jesus. I want them to see a little bit of me when they see you. I, I've, had, I've been an employer since I was 24 years old. I have had literally thousands of employees in my lifetime, both in ministry and out in the secular workplace. 
I can tell you that I took advantage of some people when I was in business, and people took advantage of me. So I understand the world's a mess with a big M. Cap the whole word. Yell it. The world's a mess. Not everything's correct. But I can tell you this. The only way to fix that particular mess is to not add more mess to the mess. You, You don't fix it by adding more mess to it. You fix it by interjecting the solution. Probably most of you know this, but when we make vaccines for various diseases, or you specifically, if, you're gonna, if you get bit by a snake, what they do is they milk the snake and take some of the proteins from the venom of the poison, and they then turn that into an antivenin, and then you get injected with that, and it actually saves your life. You see, some of the stuff that we're made out of has to be transformed so it can be injected into the culture that we live in so that the culture can be saved. And so God injects Jesus into you, and then you affect the rest of the world. That's the way it works. You're supposed to be that answer that we were talking about in our little maze experiment that we're going to do. You see, you have the answer. So you've received that. Now you're supposed to go give that wherever you go. And I can tell you, not every job glorifies the Lord. Amen? There's no such thing as a Christian bookie, a a Christian stripper. That's not flying, so I'm not talking about everything. You should, okay, well, I'm just a Christian stripper. That's not what it says. That's not that kind of heartily unto the Lord, okay? No amount of sanitizing, that's going to make that okay with God. I just want to be clear. But what it is saying is that which is gainful and not openly sinful, those things are openly sinful. It's easy to see that. But anything else that is okay with God, and that's everything that you can do that's going to be used of the Lord to work in your life to provide. He's going to say, look, I honor that. I see that. I see the fact that you go to that job every day and I'm going to make sure that you get taken care of. That's God's responsibility. That's on Him. That's not on you. So in that sense, you actually work for the Lord. So be excellent at it, no matter what it is, what your station in life is. That's why it says, be, do it heartily. Give it your whole heart. Make sure that you put your life into doing it well. It gave new dignity. Can you imagine someone who was in a system where people were taken advantage of every day saying, you mean that my job as a household servant has dignity? That's exactly what God was saying. Yes, because you do that for me. You don't do that for that man that takes advantage of you. You do what you do because they can see me and what you do and how you do it. Changes the whole thing, doesn't it? Because now you can do that, which is not openly sinful. And you can do anything heartily unto the Lord. And everything heartily unto the Lord. And look, one of the areas that we get messed up in is we start looking to someone or something else to provide and not the Lord. When Jesus said, I came to this world not to be served, but to serve and give my life, what he was saying was, everything he had, he gave for us. So the example that we're supposed to have in our lives for how we should conduct ourselves is we are givers. We give of our time, we give of our talent, and we give of our treasure freely. And when you work that way, it's God's responsibility to put back whatever you need 
and to take care of the needs of your family. We do that by honoring him with the things that we already have. He's already entrusted to us. That's why Jesus said, when you give, not if you give. The child of God that doesn't understand that principle puts himself in harm's way because then you start taking jobs to get things instead of saying, Lord, I'm going to give myself away. Whatever I have in my possession, I'm a steward of. The steward means overseer. And I'm just going to take these things I'm steward of. Lord, they're yours. You'd use whatever you want for whatever purpose you have for it. They're still yours. You see, that puts us in the proper place. But if I think that my money actually comes from a corporation or my money that is in our bank account that Connie and I have stewardship over actually comes from anything other than God, then I have it messed up. And so now I'm going to try and please an earthly master in the wrong way. I'll be over there, oh yeah, well I'll do that. When I know I shouldn't do that because it doesn't honor the Lord. I'm going to take a position I shouldn't take because it takes care of some need that I see that God's failed at meeting, so now I'm going to do something that I shouldn't do. Get those things right, family of God. And I just encourage you, read that Malachi 3 passage. If you want God to take care of you, do what God's asked you to do. It's that simple. Let him be provider. It's his job. His word, by the way, says he'll keep the destroyer from your door if you do your part. Amen? It's very simple. Look to God to provide. And in that, we close with this. He just gives us a single standard. And and I love this. Notice what this says. You see, at the end of the day, every last one of us is in the same place. Verse 25. But he who does wrong. You see, if you're wronged, if you've been wronged, if something's happened in your life and you feel like you've been taken advantage of, God didn't miss it. Not one of those times when you got passed over for a promotion, not one of those injustices that have happened to you personally, not that lack that came into your life because you were taken advantage of, maybe by the system itself, it is God's responsibility to take care of those things. Notice what it says. It's very clear. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. Is that simple enough for you? In other words, God said, I didn't miss one bit of it. Not one thing has ever happened to you has God missed. So, man, I can't, I don't know what I was doing. I turned my back and Jeff got into trouble. Man, I can't believe those guys got to him like that. Some of the worst beatings I've ever had in the financial world and business came from people who claimed to be my friends. That happens. But you know what? My job is not to try and get even with them. My job is to love them into the kingdom and let God do whatever getting even needs to be done. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. So if they need a whooping, trust me, God can do it. Any of you that ever had a whooping can say Amen. God God can do it, can't he? It's his job. Why? He tells us why. Because there's no partiality with God. He doesn't look at, well, you've got a PhD, so I've got to be nice to you. You know, you own a business. I mean, come on, man. You could like like buy an island or something. I I always laugh 
what God must think. When, when, when people say, well, you know, I own this or I own this. No, you don't. It's mine. Matter of fact, the dirt you're walking on belongs to me. So if I take my dirt back, where are you going to stand? <laughs> we just have it so messed up. And so God says, look, there's no partiality. I see everything perfectly. Trust him with that, please. Please. If you honor the Lord, you have your promise of what the Bible says about that. I will bless those who bless me, says the Lord. He opposes the proud. He's against people who spitefully use you. It's his job to take care of that injustice. You be like Jesus. Little secret, you want to really mess with people's heads? When they have done wrong to you, be nice to them. It freaks them out. They like think you're like deranged or something. Say, so, you know, I'm really sorry you feel that way, brother, sister. But God said that I'm supposed to love those who hurt me. And so I'm taking that path. You take whatever path you think you want, but I can tell you this. My Bible says there's no partiality with God, and he will repay. And you leave them with that verse, they're going to be like, oh. They believe in God. They're going to be on some thin ice with God. That's where you want them. You want them standing on thin ice with the Lord holding the sledgehammer. Going, hmm, how you feeling over there about that thin ice that you're walking on because you're hurting one of my kids? I'm not missing that. Let God have those injustices you've suffered. And let him take care of squaring up the accounts. He's really good at it. You do your part by being like Jesus. And whatever you're doing, do it the very best you possibly can. Look to the heavenly Put off the old, put on the new, do it in your marriage first, with your kids second, in the workplace, and you're going to be good. Amen? Amen. Would you stand and let's pray. (laughs) Father, we thank you. Lord, this is tough, it's hard. And we just admit there are things in our lives, there are things that have happened in our world. There's things that happened in our history that are wrong. And Lord, they sting and they hurt. But we also recognize that we could spend our whole life trying to square those things away and never accomplish it if we try and do it the wrong way. And so, Lord, we want to accomplish those things for you the right way. Help us to have an extra dose of love and care and concern and compassion. Help us to be who you, Jesus, were on this earth. You served. Help us to serve. You gave. Help us to give. We pray that you would bless us, Lord, with your Spirit's work in our lives. Change us first. Lord, we don't ask you to change our culture. We ask you to change us. And would we be changed? And then the effect of that is, is that as we shine light, the world would get lit up for you. We bless you. We thank you, Lord, for being so gracious and kind to us. Pray that you'd bind us together with love. Lord, pray that you would keep us. God, we we cast our cares upon you, and we know that you care for us. Help us to walk in that care. We ask these things in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you.